0: Hi everyone, welcome to Dishing With Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, editorial director here with Mara Levinsky, senior editor. Hi everyone. Well Mara, the daytime Emmy nominations were released and there were some exciting surprises on the list. One being that Days of Our Lives Beyond Salem, the Peacock streaming series was nominated not only in the outstanding drama series category, but also in best writing. So basically, Ron Carlovati will be up against himself in that category. Um, I was excited to see John McCook, who plays Bold and Beautiful's Eric in the lead actor category. I mean, he really brought it with that erectile dysfunction story last year. And then a new face in that category was Eric Martsoff, Daisy's Brady, who took home the supporting actor Emmy in 2014, and now he's in lead. His co-star, James Reynolds, who won this category in 2018 playing Abe, also got another nod. And then over in Sporting Actress, Kimberlyn Brown, who returned to Bold and Beautiful as Sheila, got the nod, as well as Melissa Ordway, Young and Restless' Abby, who did a bang-up job in the wake of Chance's presumed death. I was also happy for the two GH contenders in that category. Uh, Nancy Lee Gron is a two-time winner uh, in supporting, and I presume she submitted the Alexis-centric episode that we all raved about. And then there's Kelly Teabod, who earned her first nomination. I think she did very strong work last year as well. And rounding out that category is another very deserving nominee, Stacey Heideck, who does such a standout job on days as Kristen and occasionally Susan. I think it's really cool that in the supporting actor race, there are two previous Younger Actor winners, Brighton James, who plays Devon on YNR, and Jordi Villasuso, who just left YNR as Ray. He'd won uh, for his work as Guiding Lights Tony, as well as James Patrick Stewart, G.H.'s Valentine, who himself was a Younger Actor nominee back in 1992. That's awesome. Um, Well, I was also excited to see Aaron D. Spears get his first nomination as Bold and Beautiful's Justin. I mean, his appearances are few and far between of late, but wow, did he and Don Diamond's bill have some fiery scenes when their bromance split up in 2021. So, you know, good for him. I just love that he was recognized. I think that's what's great about this list evolving every year. You know, it really recognizes the good work people do during a calendar year, as opposed to, I think, in the past where some. Some people would just get a nod because people like knew their name or knew that they were good actors. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't really about necessarily what happened that year. And you know, if you look at the younger performers in a drama series category, I mean, every one of those actors, Deza's Lindsay Arnold, GH's Nicholas Chavez and William Lipton, as well as GH alum Sydney Michaela and YNR alum Olivia Allen-Lind are all deserving of a win. Each carried some significant story, and I cannot wait till these winners are announced in June on CBS. That's absolutely right. And the fact that these are such highly competitive categories speaks to just how much good work the casts of the four remaining shows delivered last year. Uh, this will be the first in-person live Emmys since 2019. The show went to a virtual format in light of COVID, so I think there will be a lot of very emotional reunions that night, in addition to a lot of suspense about who will take home the various prizes. Now, the daytime world also got some very sad news this week, which is that two-time daytime Emmy winner Jerry Verdorn, beloved to fans as Ross Marlar on Guiding Light and Clint Buchanan on One Life to Live, passed away at the age of 72 following a months-long battle with cancer. When I started watching GL in 1990, he fast became one of my favorite actors on the show. I just really loved his non-showy, humane style. Oh, me too. I mean, I was not a Guiding Light fan when I joined the magazine in 1990, but I was quickly sucked in once I started working here. So when I was invited to the show's 40th anniversary party in 1992, it was right when The Blackout aired, and you know, so much went down in that story, including a hookup between Ross and Blake, who was then played by Sherry Stringfield. So I wound up so into that pairing that I could not wait to meet Jerry Verdorn at The Bash. And you know, he was just as nice and wonderful as you'd expect and he remained one of my favorites forever. Um, I was just so sorry to hear of his death and I am sending my deepest condolences to his family and to everyone who ever worked with him. Now our guest today knows a thing or two about the daytime Emmys, she's won one. It's Kristen Alderson who grew up before our eyes as One Life to Live star. So let's check in with her and see how she's doing. Hi, Kristen. Hello, how you doing? I'm doing so great. I'm so excited to be doing this with you guys. Well, we are thrilled to be catching up with you and to just hear how everything's going with you. So we are going to take a deep dive into the life of Kristen Alderson. So we're going to start that you were born outside of Philly and obviously got started very young acting considering you were only five when you made your Broadway debut. So talk us through how you first got involved in performing. I did. So... I'll try to make this a really quick
1: story because I feel like I have told a lot of my fans
0: (laughs) this story,
1: but I, but so, okay. So I was four and a half and I was in a dancing school locally in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. And I went and did this dance number with my dance class on a local ABC show called Al Alberts and they had little kids come on and do their recital numbers on there. And that's what we did. And they pulled me aside and they said, can you tell us a joke? And I said, yeah, what time do you go to the dentist? And then tooth, Purdy. <laughs> and when my mom heard that they pulled me aside and asked me a joke, she goes, Oh my gosh, you don't know any jokes. I said, Yeah, I do. Um, so she was surprised I knew a joke, but my aunt had, my aunt Claire had told me that joke. Um <laughs> so then they gave then they called and said, We want Kristen to be a teeny bopper on the show, which is one of the little girls that come and say jokes and um they dress up literally full face makeup and these big dresses. It was very cute. And so I did that, and a lot of the girls were actresses. Um, that went and filmed, uh, went and auditioned in New York in their downtime, and um, and my mom always said that that that's so horrible. It's like stage parents and stuff forcing their kids and acting, and um, and I said, oh my gosh, no, mom, that's my dream. I saw a making of Annie on Broadway, and I saw the Orphans, and I said, mom, that's my dream. That's what I want to do. And she goes, Kristen, you're like four. You don't even know what a dream is. And I was like, no, 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 mom, that's what I want to do. So anyway. Cut to there was a audition for there was an audition for Annie and a lot of the girls were going in town to uh, in the city to go and audition and I begged my mom to take me and she said absolutely not that you know that's horrible and then anyway she goes I just don't want you to face rejection at such a young age like you're now I'm like five at this point and she's going uh just makes me nervous I said don't worry don't worry. So she goes, I just want to warn you, you're not going to get it. <laughs> so so I, uh, I went and I got it. I got Molly and Amy on Broadway. And I did that for uh, six months on Broadway. And then we toured for six months well, I was supposed to do the tour for a year, but six months in, my mom was a big Young and the Restless fan, and she watched it every day, and I had a big old crush on Victor Newman, which is creepy for a five-year-old to have a crush on Victor Newman, (laughs) but I said, said, mom, I'm ready to leave tour. I want to put in my two weeks, and I'm going to be on a soap opera, and she said, okay we can leave i'm putting in your two weeks but just so you know you're not gonna get on a soap opera and i we came home now i'm six at this point and i a week later had an audition for one life to live for star and the rest is history (laughs)
0: wow yeah basically we need your mom to say you can't do something more and and everything would be golden i think that's the problem i think she believes in me too much now so i need her to (laughs) not (laughs) before we get into one life uh when you were in annie mel carter was playing miss hannigan like do you obviously you were so young do you have any actual memories of that experience I do.
1: She was so, Nell Carter was so sweet and really loved me. Like we, we took an instant of liking to each other and, um, she was just so, so sweet, but I had no idea who she was. You know, everyone's going, Oh, Nell Carter. And I'm like, she's just my friend. You know, she's just that fun lady that always gives me big hugs. So, um, I don't remember a ton with that. I do (laughs) a funny story from Annie. When we were on Broadway, we had, a dresser in the dressing room and each orphan was assigned a dresser because we had a lot of quick changes and stuff. And so I was used to a dresser dressing me all the time. And my mom said that when I came home, I i think she, I was putting on socks or something and I handed them to my mom and stuck my foot out. And she goes, um, excuse me, you can put on your own sock. And I was like, what? Oh, I didn't, you know, <laughs> I was like, well, I don't really know how. I'm just so used to being dressed. <laughs> so, she was like, oh, you're putting on your own sock. <laughs> so, um, that was, but I just, there, I remember the smell backstage. It's a very distinct smell. If I ever smell like the backstage of a Broadway show or something, I'm like, oh, Annie. Um, I remember that on my opening night, my shoe, my boot flew out into like on stage. So we had to do this kick line and my boot fell off and I didn't skip a beat. And I continued on with, (laughs) with the number. And then at the end of the number, one of the girls grabbed the boot and took it off stage. And I got so much praise for that, that I remember trying to like, Like like get my boot so that it would possibly come off again in my number (laughs) because I'm going oh my gosh they thought I was so great that I was able to like carry on that I wanted to you know just like little kid stuff that um you know kind of unprofessional but at that young (laughs) of an
0: age like you're like oh that'll be fine yeah. Okay, well, then let us get into One Life to Live. So what do you remember about getting that job or the audition?
1: Okay, what I remember, I remember in my audition, I had my hair up in a clip, and she asked me to take my hair out of the clip. (laughs) It's a very random thing, but I just remember that about the audition. And And then I don't really remember much of the audition other than that, but I remember my first day. And I remember we were at my agent's first that day. And then we had to get in a cab and we were rushing. We were late or something or almost late. And when we got there, they rushed me on to set. And I guess everything was kind of really fast. I think I got the job and then I was on very soon after that. And um, I just remember how huge the studio was. And the little yellow dress that they had me in, and that Roger, you know, had to like pick me up, and I was like, "Whoa, I don't know this dude." <laughs> um, and yeah, that's that's what
0: I remember from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty remarkable. But this past March marked the 25th anniversary of your debut which is utterly, utterly wild. So when, when you were um, this, when you were starting out, like uh, obviously you, you do recall Roger lifting you. What are your earliest memories of, you know, both of your on-screen parents, Cassie DePaiva and Roger Howard?
1: Oh my gosh. Well, Cassie was like a second mom to me. I mean, she's such a warm, loving, sweet person. And she took me under her wing right away. And she was just always... So sweet. Um, and we've, you know, remained close throughout the years. And oh my gosh, I have I used to sleep over her house at times. I mean, I know that's getting far ahead, but just um, from a young, from the very beginning, she just was always so connected to me. Um, Roger is a super professional guy. Um, And I don't know if he really believed in child actors. I think he thought that that was really cruel, but he didn't know my mom, you know, I'm going, no, you don't understand. I forced her into this. She's a nerd. (laughs) She didn't want me to do this. You know, she's just being supportive. And he kind of like never believed it um, or, or didn't in the beginning. So, um, and I think, so I think he kind of didn't understand the whole child actor thing, but our chemistry was so great and it never read, you would never know that from watching the scenes, but I just remember one time I was really nervous and I asked him for a picture and we had been working together for like two years or something and he was like, I don't take pictures. I was like, oh, I was like, <laughs> I was like crying, but I was like, it's fine. It's okay. <laughs> he loves me. I know deep down, deep down, he really likes me. And I think he always did, you know, like Roger To this, you know, Roger would definitely say that, you know, like, oh no, Kristen's amazing. And so, so I don't, I don't think it was anything against me. He was just, uh, doing his own thing back then. <laughs> The man had
0: a no picture policy.
1: You know, he had a no he was, picture you know.
0: policy. You know? yeah. <laughs> the craziest thing is that aren't we talking like really before like cell phones like were what they are today? Even you
1: know? Oh, definitely. We're talking like the disposable like, cameras, <laughs> like actual
0: yeah. cameras.
1: And to, be, and to be fair, I was so embarrassed afterward because I'm going, I don't want him to think I'm a fan, even though I worked <laughs> with him all the time. I'm going, you know, no, like I, it's just because, but uh yeah i think he really wanted to keep professional life separate from personal life and Cassie, he thought that Cassie and I totally blurred those lines, which we did. She was like a second mom <laughs> to me, and he was like, "No, we're actors, and we're gonna act like father and daughter, and then we're not gonna be father and daughter." But I'm like, "Let's
0: just take pictures together, like we are. <laughs> Let's just go to Sears for our family portrait." The yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, um, over time, with you in the role of Star, she went from being, you know, Blair and Todd sort of background moppet to a true character in her own right. And she had a very strong and mischievous personality and was even conniving, I think it's fair to say. So where do you think your ability to embody that came from at such a young age? I wish I could say
1: that I knew I just always loved being the bad girl. If I, I I guess just from love, I loved to act and then I would always act out movies and stuff with my dad, you know, pretending to do Disney movies at home and stuff. And I guess because I was always so sweet, I was like sweet as Molly and Annie, but oh no, but Molly had an edge, right? So Molly's going, you know, she, she's acting out Miss Hannigan and she's going till it shines like the top of the Chrysler building. And I loved that attitude. And I think because it's so not me, I gravitate towards it. So, um, I forget what, what scene it was, but Gary Tomlin, who was our executive producer at the time, saw me do a scene where I had a little bit of an attitude. And he just took, took it from there. He was like, that's that Star. That's going to be Star. And he really, Gary trusted me. Um, I I have Gary to thank for Star becoming who she was and becoming such a different child actor at the time I don't think we ever really saw like an evil child actor except for the bad seed back in the day, you know Mm -hmm. in the movies but um, And and I think that the audience still loved her because She was doing it from a place of good because she just loved her parents so much and everyone was a Todd and Blair fan You know Todd and Blair was a huge super couple so they were rooting for Star. So even though she was doing bad stuff, they're going like, yeah, get Max, you know?
0: <laughs> get, put the piranhas in his tub. Exactly. Send me horse manure. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's so much fun to to watch those scenes and to see uh, how good you, you are at it. And I think because you were like such a cutie, it just made the whole thing, you know, that much funnier that she was, you know, so, de- so devious.
1: Well, and um, then... And the Philly accent makes it even more hilarious. I think we we were just when we were doing the show in in Vegas. Our producer Tom Dangora is a huge One Life to Live fan. So my our friend had a seder for us one night. She's Jewish, and so she was. She said, "I want to make a seder for everyone." And at the end of the night, he goes, "Let's watch One Life to Live clips. Let's watch Baby Kristen." So he was playing uh, the Love Potion Lady scenes and my accent was just like, yeah, aw. you know, uh, the love potion lady.
0: <laughs> just well, perfect so for it. You. it was in Pennsylvania. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. About three years into your run in, in 2001, you went on contract with the show. Uh, do you remember understanding like what that meant or whether there was any conversation at home about whether that kind of long-term commitment or <clears throat> in your best interests or in the family's best interests? The contract
1: happened. I had an audition for a beautiful mind and it was between me and the other little girl for it. And I think ABC got wind of it and they were like, we need to lock her up (laughs) and like, you know, keep her here. And so that's kind of, uh, I, I was just really excited because it, it was a record breaker that I was kind of the youngest child actor to be on contract so I was excited for that but I really didn't know what it meant really it was just that I get to do this for longer and they want me for longer and it's a done deal that I'll be here for longer so it was it made me very happy.
0: Well that same year uh, your brother Eddie Alderson joined One Life as Bo and Norris on Matthew. so what do you remember about how that came about? Oh my gosh.
1: Eddie was always at the studio and just the cutest thing. And all of the adults just loved him so much because he's always just been this mini adult from the second he was born. And same with me, I guess we, um, and everyone just really treated us like that. They never treated us like kids, which was so great. And, um, they just had a lot of respect for us. And so when they needed someone that fit Eddie's description I think it was it was either Hillary or Bob that said Eddie you know sat him down and said Eddie please you know you could be uh, Bob said you could be my son and that's all Eddie needed to hear and my mom's going no not another one she goes and they're not even going to be brother and sister so it's going to be separate storylines now I have to get them both to New York you know I mean he was already in New York a lot with us but um I mean, all the time. So she goes, I guess that'll be easy. But what about the days when Kristen's not working? And I was finally able to get her back to Pennsylvania. How am I? So it just opened up a whole, I don't know how she did it back then. But um, I remember it being a big transition for our family that we were going to be spending even more time in New York.
0: Yeah. Well, two years down the line from that, uh, Roger left the role of Todd to go to As the World Turns, and the role was recast with Trevor St. John, who became your on-screen father for many years, until 2011, in fact, when he was revealed to actually be your brainwashed uncle, but I digress. Um, So tell us about working uh, with Trevor and your off-camera dynamic with him.
1: I love Trevor. He is the funniest. I'm sure you guys can attest to that. He's so Freaking funny. And also just the most incredible act. He is such an incredible actor. Our first initial scenes together, we had a lot of scenes. It was when he was saying, I'll never replace your dad. Or then he said that he was Todd. Sorry. Yeah. He, he said that he was Todd and I was probably, gosh, how old was I? 12 or something when we were doing those scenes. And, he, again, like everyone just treated me like an adult and was so professional. And we were able to have these great, great scenes together. And then from there, as I got older, we just had more and more fun on set. I mean, we always had fun and he was always trying to make me laugh. But he, he would do anything he could to get me to break in a scene and laugh, especially if he didn't have a lot of dialogue he would be in a window, he'd be behind a doorway, he would be, if there are, especially when I'm older, if you watch scenes with us together, I'm constantly pulling a Jerry Seinfeld and almost dying laughing. (laughs) And I got in trouble for it. One time, um, uh, Frank called me to his office and said, um and and said you know you got to stop laughing at trevor on scene uh, on set and i said you have to make him stop making me laugh it's not my fault i'm laughing like i i'm sorry but if he's being funny i can't not laugh like this is just impossible i'll do my best but it's trevor's fault <laughs> so and even after hearing that trevor was still called to you know being mischievous and stuff so um, that's just what I remember the most. Oh, also with Trevor, you never knew what you were going to get in a scene with him. And that's the number one takeaway that I got as an actor is that whenever we worked together, if we were doing another take, it was not going to be anything like the first take. And that's what I loved. And I really, I took that on and I've, I feel like I do that now where if I'm doing a scene, it's very hard for me to replicate the scene and make it just like the first one, because it's true. If one person reacts a certain way, you're going to react differently. You're going to, you know, come at the person differently. And, um, he, he was just a a really fun actor to work off of and with, Mm -hmm. you never knew what you were going to (laughs) get. Like the one time, the one time we had a scene where we were at Lantano mountain and remember the snowstorm happened and star slept over with Cole and he found out that we were in the same hotel room and he came to the hotel. And anyway, he had to yell at me in the scene and then he had to tell me to sit down and he was like, you shouldn't have come up here. Sit down, whatever. We're yelling, yelling. He went, he took my shoulders and sat me down, like pushed me down into the seat And it scared the crud out of me, but it was so great because I really felt like I was getting chastised by my own father. I'm going, "Ah, like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I'm the type of actor that loves that. Some some actors don't like being surprised. I love being surprised. So, oh. he was, he was great.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, Star was really in the mix of a lot of high drama around the Manning family and the Kramer women. So do you ever recall being stressed out about like having a cry on cue and all those things that, you know, sometimes get into the head of older, more experienced actors to say nothing of a preteen?
1: When I started getting older, it was harder for me to relax and be natural in scenes I feel like when I was younger, I was very natural with it. It came naturally to me. And as I got older, you start to get a little more aware and you're just a little more awkward going into puberty and everything. So you're just, um, and I felt like I started losing it, um, not feeling as natural as I used to be. And I think there, if you watch some of the scenes or at a certain age of mine, you go, oh, that must have been what she's talking about. Because <laughs> you see, I kind of pause and think about my lines a little more. Like, it's like, oh, it's not really coming as naturally. And um, And I had emotional scenes where I had to cry. And I was a very, I mean, I'm very lucky, but I was a very happy girl growing up and being sad or crying didn't come very naturally to me. So they hired an acting coach to work with me. I think I worked with her four times. It wasn't much but on just on different scripts. And I had crying scenes coming up and she just helped me figure out how to get in touch with that side of me and not necessarily to even pull from things that have happened in my life. But just to be able to feel that feeling that you're almost going to cry and to hold it back. And also, Erica Slezak helped me a lot with that. She said, If the audience sees that you're trying to cry, they're not going to cry. But if they see that you're trying not to cry, that's when you get the audience to feel for you. And it's so true. And so she goes, You don't even have to cry, you know, because. I think she got wind that people were trying to teach me how to cry. And she said, even crying doesn't need to come naturally to you. I've seen people that wail and wail and wail and wail, and I don't feel anything for them when I watch them. But when I see someone that is trying not to cry, that's what gets me. So, you know, just kind of stick to your own emotions and the more you try not to cry the more you will cry the more you try to cry you're not going to cry <laughs> so uh, just and cassie taught me tricks and uh, just a way to kind of hold your hold your diaphragm and and like hold your stomach and and a way to breathe and just different different tri- there are a lot of different tricks but it was a collaborative effort with all of the women on the show just Giving me advice over the years.
0: So as you got older and more and more storyline centered around star, you were simultaneously getting further along in school. So was it ever a struggle for you to keep up with your studies, given these professional obligations you also had?
1: Yeah, as a matter of fact, that's why. It's really funny in my Emmy speech. I I got I won my Emmy in 2013 and that was years. I graduated high school in 2009, and I still thanked my tutor, Janie, because she literally got me through high school. (laughs) Um, I was barely in school in high school because of how much I worked, and, you know, we had the the Cole storyline. We had Langston and Brittany, and I was working a ton, so I was never there, and she really, really helped me. The teachers would give me all of my work to do, and we would work during breaks. And poor Janie would have to constantly be like, "Kristen, come to school, Kristen, Kristen." <laughs> um, so, I'm very grateful to Janie for getting me through. But I was in high school in New York, um, so that was easier. Some days I was able to go to school in the morning and then work after lunch. So we really begged and begged and begged One Life to Live to, as much as humanly possible, have me work after lunch so that I could get the morning in of school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was a lot. <laughs> <It> was <laughs> and, and tests were tough too. I mean, I was so used to learning a ton of material and then disposing of it quickly. So anything I learned in school one day would be out of my head the next day, because that's how my brain had to work with memorizing scripts, so school did not come easy to me. I was great when I was in it, but if I wasn't in it, it was rough. (laughs) That
0: makes sense. Yeah. Um, Well, as Star, you were related to the two grand dames of Landview, one being Robin Strasser's Dorian, and as you mentioned, Erica Slasek's Vicky. So Robin, I know, has remained an important figure in your life, but tell us what stands out to you about being on set with both of them.
1: Oh, man. I am so close to Robin. I just talked to her two days ago on the phone and I just love and adore her. She is not only one of the best actresses around, but just one of the sweetest, um, most loyal giving people that I've known. And she's so much fun. I did Wonderette's which it was called The Marvelous Wonderettes. It was an off-Broadway show in New York. And she let me stay with her every Wednesday night. And we just had a ball together. I mean, we have such a special connection. And I would come in sometimes at three o'clock in the morning because after the show, we would all go out and have a drink. And she gave me a key and she said, oh, I'll be sleeping. But sometimes she would wake up and come in and go like, hey, how was your night? And then we'd go on on Zillow because she loves going on um, Redfin. I'm sorry, Redfin. And looking up uh, houses and she'd go, ooh, let's visit Cleveland tonight. Like, ooh, let's visit this place. And she would just make fun of different houses and, you know, be like, oh, that stove shouldn't be in this spot. It should be in that spot. She has so much knowledge on real estate. She's an incredible person. she, she's incredible with real estate. So we would just have a ball going through and I'd go, Oh my gosh, Robin, I would never even think about that. She's like, Oh, terrible window placement. Look at that. And then she would just, you know, we, we crack up. So, um, I love Robin to death and Erica Slazak taught me so many things over the years acting wise. Um, I feel like she, she was like the, the Meryl Streep of one life to live. Um, because she can be intimidating to work with. She is so well prepared and uh, she has so much classical training as an actor. So she is, she's legit. <laughs> so when you, when you have scenes with Erica, you got to be on your A game. And even Robin would say that. Robin has a lot of respect for Erica. And she would always say, if you were working with, Rob, with, uh, with Erica, you had to be prepared and ready ready to play, you know, Um, and she, like I said, she taught me that crying trick. She also would, you know, about eye contact and um, being truthful and not pushing it in a scene and just really, um, really taught me how to remain truthful in a scene. And I always thought that Star and Vicky had such a great relationship
0: And, and I, I loved that. So in 2006, the show really started to build up a peer group for star. She had her first major uh, love story with Brandon Buddy being uh, cast as Cole. Uh, Did you have like any anxiety about being tasked with playing more mature material, more intimate material, having to kiss and eventually like do love scenes in front of, you know, these crew members who've known you since you were a little girl?
1: Yes. So when I found out that they were hiring someone for Cole, I was so excited. Um, My, my best friend at the time was actually Dan Gauthier's son, Cole, who the character was named after. I don't know if you guys know that, but Dan Gauthier's son, uh, Dan played Kevin on One Life to Live. His son was my age and we were super, super close. And he was my best friend at the time. And, and so they named the character Cole after him and he was not an actor, is not an actor. And he was so determined. He was like, I want to audition. I want to play Cole. (laughs) Cause he had like a crush on me at the time. Like we were like, yeah, it was so cute. So, uh, he didn't end up playing Cole, but, um, I I was excited for that whole thing. I was so boy crazy growing up and I've always been boy crazy. So I was like, Oh, new boyfriend for star new boyfriend for me. (laughs) (laughs) Ridiculous. So professional. Um, But, uh, but yeah, so when Brandon came onto the show, he is, uh, he was such a Southern gentleman. He's from Texas and he had lived in LA, I think like a year before then he was old, He was 21 and I was 14. Maybe he was 20 and I was 14, but, um, he was a lot older than me, but he didn't seem it. We just clicked. We had that like instant chemistry, but not in a romantic way yet. I mean, I had a total big crush on him, but <laughs> we weren't steps crossing that line yet. Um, and then he was, I, I love star and Cole scenes. I mean, even when I lived in, in, I was, after I left General Hospital, I had a lot of downtime. I was auditioning here and there, but I had a lot of downtime. And I started watching YouTube videos of Star and Cole all throughout their relationship. And it was just so much fun. Like they were great, great scenes. Um, Anyway, I know it's kind of off topic, but I, I just love Star and Cole and, and Langston and Marco and the whole teenage dynamic. I really think that they could take all of that storyline and put it in HD and put that on Hulu and it would do so well. They were just, they were, it was great. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, I was very excited when, uh, the character Cole came on and to have that teenage storyline with the whole making love thing that freaked me out a lot because I'm going, uh, that was not something that I had yet done in my personal life. Um, so I'm going, how am I doing a love scene when I don't know what a love scene looks like in real life? So, um, and then also with my boyfriend, because he was my boyfriend at the time in real life. Not that anyone in the show knew that. I mean, there are still actors and stuff that went, wait, you guys were dating. Yeah, actually. Um, we wanted to keep it really professional and not have anyone feel uncomfortable by that. So, um, so that was worrisome. And then, yeah, like the cameramen and the crew, and they were just the sweetest guys ever, but they were like uncles to me, you know, like they've known me since I was six. So to get kind of, be in my bra in front of them and i'm only 16 years old i'm like ah this is weird um but geez you watch euphoria and that was like nothing compared to what they're doing on there um uh, yeah mine was like i I didn't even get down into a bikini i was so covered (laughs) the main thing that i remember with that there was a writer strike before star and cole made love and it was like a while before that so the writers had planned that Star and Cole were going to make love and Star was going to get pregnant. I knew that. Then a the writer's strike happened before and they started having Cole flirting with Langston and I'm going, what are they doing? What are they doing? And over the years, I had seen so many people get let go. The young casts and stuff because they would have the characters do these deceptive things to characters that people love and then people would hate them and then they would get fired. And I'm going, no, this can't happen. If Langston does this to Star, everyone will hate Langston. If Cole does this to Star and then has sex with her and then has a baby, no, it has to be pure. You have to have the audience wanting Cole and Star to be together. They have to be on their team in order for them to be even a little okay with seeing Star making love, you know? So that was the, the first and only time I think I ever went and complained to the writers. And I was just like, alert, alert, ab- like abort that situation, please. Like you can't have uh, Langston and Cole cross that line because once they do, Brittany's getting fired, Cole, like Brandon's getting fired. Like the fans will turn on them. I know, I know the fans. So Um, so they didn't do that. Thank God, but they were close. They had to get rid of some scenes. They really did. Wow. Yeah. They, they, I think they had a scene where Langston and Cole were going to kiss and I went, and I went up and I was like, don't do it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You you learn a lot of uh, tricks of the trade from growing up on a soap set that I think are probably, I think would probably uh, be good whispers in in many writers ears. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you know,
1: And, and I, and I didn't want to be disrespectful to the, uh, to the writers that, you know, came in during that time period too, because I mean, they had such a daunting task of having to take over, um, for that. But I just, I, I was really protective over wanting that storyline to go well and be accepted. And it was going to be tough enough to pull off a pregnancy, a teenage pregnancy. It had to be sweet and pure. To work, <laughs> so I think I think it they they agreed as well, so it was all good.
0: <laughs> right. So you did ultimately play the story of Star's teen pregnancy. What was that like for you?
1: Um, doing the teen pregnancy was incredible. Uh, that was, and I still say to this day, one of the best years of my life. I think because, well, <laughs> mainly because I got to talk on a board with Mari Povich in Washington, D.C., and that was really incredible. Me and our publicist, Laurie Hogan, got to travel to Washington, D.C., and talk about teenage pregnancy, and I love Mari Povich. I love the Mari show, so to be on a a panel with him and to be all um, fancy and stuff was very cool, but it was also a huge connecting point for me and the fans, I wrote a blog every Friday about what it was like to pretend to be pregnant at 16 and how it must've felt for p- girls to be pregnant at 16 and how tough that is. And just opening a conversation and a dialogue with the fans about how they should open up and have a conversation with their parents or that the parents should have a conversation with their kids and, um, and how, uh, you know, it's it's not out there enough. Sex education isn't out there enough. And I worked with the Kansas Foundation to, you know, on that issue as well. And I felt like the show reached so far with that. Um, it wasn't just about the storyline. It was about we are we are possibly making a difference in these people's lives. The girls were writing me that were currently pregnant and 16, going, "Thank you so much for showing this side." Of what we have to go through um, and and how tough it is. And I wish I would have learned this before I got pregnant. I wish I would have known this. And I wish I would have known about contraception and like all this stuff. Like you can't believe what people don't know and what kids aren't being told and aren't being educated about. Just by talking, you can make such a difference. So I felt like this storyline really did make a difference, which was awesome. We got to go on The View, um, and it was, it was great.
0: Well, you are talking to, as I, I know you know, a humongous OG Todd and Blair fan. So you know I gotta know what it was like when uh, Roger Howarth returned to the show and you had not worked together in eight years. You told me that he said to your mom, wow, I thought she would be a huge diva. <laughs> so tell me what you remember about uh, you know working with him Chapter two.
1: So I remember being nervous about working with Roger round two, because I told you the picture story. <laughs> so I didn't know how he would be. Uh, also, as an adult, you're more aware of how people are. And I'm, I'm a sensitive person. And if I feel like someone doesn't like me or being around me, I'm like, what's wrong? What I do, you know? So he was lovely. He gave me a huge hug and Cassie a hug and He apologized to me and Cass. Like, it was wonderful. He he was so great. And it was really crazy to see Roger and Trevor in scenes together. And it was really cool. It's so weird because... I think growing up on the show, the lines were blurred for me. I mean, Roger did feel like a father in a way. He felt like a father that kind of went away for a couple years and then came back. And then I had my new dad there and I'm going, oh, I hope my dad's get along. You know, it's this weird blurred line psychologically because you're working there every day. And that's another reality that you're living in. So it, it was kind of as crazy for me as it was for Star. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And, and, you know, just seeing him again in those scenes and him going, I'm back. I knew what a huge moment it was because it felt like it felt huge for Cassie and I, it felt huge for Florencia. Cause we're all looking at him going, I can't believe on set again, <laughs> so crazy. Like, it's just, it was awesome.
0: Um, so his return happened around the same time that ABC made the heartbreaking decision to cancel both One Life and All My Children. So how did you get the word?
1: I found out about One Life to Live getting canceled. The Okay, so one day we were filming or no, we were rehearsing on set during lunch and we got... Someone came over and said, Hey, there's going to be a big meeting right now at the View Studio because we had moved to the set that all my children used to be at. And we had kind of known that something was coming because they had moved all my children out to LA and they had moved us to a new building. And we were worried that that day was coming, but we didn't know if it would. And we got called in and we all sat in the audience. And it was people from all all the cast and crew from One Life to Live. And then they're going, oh, we're going to go live with Brian Franz on the screen. And we're going, oh, no. And so we found out. And that was tough. I remember I was just kind of in shock. But at the same time, we were all going, okay, we knew that was coming. But then I went back into the dressing room. And I remember Josh Kelly, who was working there as the time at the time as cutter, he knocked on my dressing room. And he was like, Are you okay? And I just like bust out crying (laughs) in his arms. And I said, No, you know, like, I've been on the show for so long. And I've always wondered, was this going to be the rest of my life? If I would never have left if the show didn't end, you know, I, I, but then I'm going, what else? what am I going to do? What's next? I don't know. I'm excited, but not, but now I have to say bye to these people. How am I saying bye? It was, it was a lot. So <laughs> we had so much time. Like we were all kind of just going, we felt grateful that we had more time than all my children. And we felt so bad for everyone at all my children. But I think they gave us, forget how many more months, but we had like six months and all my children had three months or something to wrap it up. And we were just going, oh God, thank God we have more time. So,
0: yeah. Uh, what do you remember about your final scenes uh, shooting then, your final day on that set?
1: I remember crying that whole week on and off with everyone. Um, I remember when I had to sing One Life to Live and do those scenes and I was legitimately crying because I was on my hands and knees doing the prayer thing not on my hands and knees I was on my knees doing the prayer thing (laughs) and I was looking out at the studio because that was like the angle that I was at and so when I sang that I was really kind of singing it to the studio and just seeing the lighting guys and the prop guys and the camera guys and just looking at the different people and going, When am I going to see them? Is this really the last week? This is the last couple shows. This is the last. It was it was one of those things where you feel like you're almost about to bust out crying all the time. <laughs> and that was for the whole week. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy.
0: Well, in sort of a whirlwind of events, your One Life boss, Frank Valentini, and head writer, Ron Corlevati, were tapped to take over the creative reins of GH, and you were invited to reprise the role of star, but on GH. So did you hesitate at all about signing on? Heck no.
1: I was so game. I was... So when we found out that One Life to Live was getting canceled, my mom had... I think the next week, we were supposed to go away on this vacation that my mom had planned... And it was just going to be my mom, brother and I, and we didn't know where we were going. And she said, I planned a a surprise trip for us just for fun and uh, somewhere that we've never been. And after we got the news, my mom goes, should we go on this vacation? This is going to cost a bit of money. I don't know if we should go. And I'm going, mom, we should go. She ended up telling us it was to Arizona. And I said, no, we should go. And I said, because then we'll figure out what our plan is on this trip. We will you know, we'll make use of it. So we went and we decided that we were going to give Los Angeles a go come the next Jan, come January. We said, you know what? January 1st, we'll move to LA. I've always wanted to audition out in LA. Eddie's always wanted to try auditioning out there. So let's just do it. So that was, we made that decision and I didn't hear any sort of rumblings about Frank until... November or like December November December where he was like maybe going to be the executive producer and he mentioned something to me about like would you be interested maybe and I was like well I'll be out in LA yeah so um and then and then we moved out to LA that January 2011 2012 it was 2012, yeah. 2012. and He called me and he goes, hey, you ready to come come on a general hospital? I was like, are you kidding? He goes, yeah, you know, in two weeks or something like that, two, three weeks, you're going to be filming. And I was freaking out. And then Wardrobe called and they're like, yeah, I think you need these type of heels because Chad is this height. And I'm going, I'm going to work with Chad. I was like, oh my God. I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to meet Sunny. Like I'm going to meet Maurice and I'm going to be, I just we've been friends with so many people from general hospital throughout all of the ABC events over the years, but they were always kind of like the older bit, like the big brother sort of thing where they were like the moody, cool soap opera. And they filmed on an LA, you know, set and we're like, Whoa, they're the cool guys. So I, I always just, was like what would that feel like to be on general hospital like that's
0: that's a big deal
1: so it was it was a dream come true like I was if I couldn't be on one life to live I was very excited to be going on a general hospital
0: so what did it feel like to be on general hospital and who were your buddies there
1: it was incredible it was so great everyone was so welcoming the first person that I ran into in the hallways was Kelly Sullivan who um, Played Connie. Well, Connie. Slash Kate. Kate, thank you. Um, well, Connie was the more fun one that I got to fight with all the time. <laughs> but yeah, but Kelly Sullivan was, go, she's like, we're going to be roomies. Welcome to General Hospital. And she's like, gave me the biggest hug. It was so bubbly and friendly. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool, cool. That's one person that's really <laughs> going and fun. And then I met Maurice, and he was making me laugh right off the bat. And he goes, you want to go to lunch? I want to take you and Chad to lunch today. I'm going, what? I'm going to lunch with Sunny. Like (laughs) this is crazy. And then I worked at Chad and Chad was so funny and Chad and I just instantly clicked and had such a blast together. And it, it was, and then to have Roger and Cassie be there too, and to get to work with them in my first week. So it was a little bit familiar, but then also brand new. And it was a really incredible time. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, you ended up playing Star for just a little over a year because of a lawsuit between ABC and Prospect Park over the rights to the character. So then you were fairly swiftly reintroduced as Kiki Jerome, daughter of Maura West's Ava and Silas Clay, which was Michael Easton's new character. So did you go through any sort of mourning process when playing Star was taken off the table, and how'd you feel about taking over the new role of Kiki?
1: I was sad to say goodbye to Star, but at the same time... I didn't know I was saying goodbye to, buy, goodbye to star. I thought that star was going to leave town for a little bit. The lawsuit was going to get cleared up and then I was going to be star again. I didn't know that I was going to be leaving us. Also prospect park had called me and asked me to come on the show and I said, yes. So that's the Like people, some people don't know that. One of the reasons why Roger and I left was to do Prospect Park. Prospect Park called. They said, we want your characters. I said, okay. I said, I'm living in LA right now, but I will come back. And they said, we only need you for a month. I said, great. I'll do longer than a month. Whatever you need me for. They never called me. Never. I sat for a month without working, just waiting for a call. And Roger was on it and everything. And I'm going, when are they going to call? Never called. And then I think they told everyone that I turned it down or something, which was insane. I'm like, why would I, I literally was unemployed for like a month and a half. Anyway. Good. Clear the air. Clear, like put the, yeah. on the record. Oh, I'm clear in the air. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> so I remember my, my friend Tom, who was the one Life to live mega fan always thought that I, that I didn't, I don't know. He, he thought that that rumor was true or something. And I'm going, no, I literally was waiting anyway. Um, So when they said, we have to bring you all back as new characters, I'm going, oh my gosh. And they said, and we want you to dye your hair. Well, I was excited. So now any sort of upsetment over star, I was just excited that I got to dye my hair brown and try this new character out. And, but I was nervous because people have done that on soaps over the years and where they change characters, and it doesn't work, and then they don't last very long on the show or something. So I'm going, oh, no, I hope this is well received by the fans. And it has to be different enough to be a new character, but not too different to where I turn people off. So it was scary and daunting. um, But exciting, because it's kind of felt like I got a new show. It kind of felt like I, you know, but then I dyed my hair brown, which was crazy. And my mom didn't recognize my mom never recognized me as a brunette. Like I still, <laughs> I I didn't recognize myself. I would look in the mirror and just and go, "Oh hi, Kiki!" Like this isn't Kristen. It's Kiki. Like that's not who I. It just what it didn't fit with me. I don't know. Um, I think it it was fun to have, but yeah, it just always felt like I was looking in the mirror at Kiki and not Kristen. It was crazy. But Kiki was a challenge because it was fun at first to be so different, and then you get the mixed reactions from fans, and fans want you to be more like Star, and then you have some directors that want you to be more like Star, and then some that want you to be not like Star at all. And then I remember having to go to Frank and be like, Frank, what am I doing? (laughs) Who, like, what should I be like? I don't, where's the happy medium in between? and he was kind of going, you know, we're figuring out with you, you know, we'll try different things and whatever seems to work. So I think that's why people saw Kiki being, I was pretty outlandish when I came on. (laughs) And then I calmed way down and Kiki became kind of more like star by the end of it. But then, but then I felt, when my contract was up and the negotiations were happening and, and I was like, guys, someone else can be star. I have Kiki. Someone else can be Kiki. I would never want anyone to replace star, but I think that someone will be able to come on and do a better Kiki than I can, because I don't think people want me to be that different. You know, like Kiki has so much potential to be, a partier, an alcoholic, a this or that, like, you know, a really spunky character like I was when I first came on, but it wasn't necessarily a character that could laugh, go the distance. I don't know. Or uh, it, it was, um, a struggle. So, um, when it came time to re, uh, to resign sign and everything, I was like, guys, I think this is just like, I, I, th- I think I think you can have a new actress come on and it'll benefit you more, kind of.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Well, but before you did leave, you took home a daytime Emmy. Where is your daytime Emmy right now, miss?
1: Oh, um, well, it's in my room. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was like, I'll go get it. I'm like, well, it's, this isn't going to air, but I mean, uh-huh. I have it in my room. Okay, good.
0: We just wanted to know that it was handy. Yes, she's, she's alive and well. <laughs> okay, good. good, good, good. Um, Well, you told me before that you really had, you know, sort of an aha moment where you realized that, that, that you would be missing out on a lot of really key moments you could never get back with family and friends back east if you didn't leave the show at the time that you did. So obviously you're still acting and you very recently finished a run of musical, the musical in Las Vegas. Tell us about your experience with that project.
1: Um, Back to with the contract negotiations, they wanted me to sign for three years or nothing. And that was a really difficult decision for me to make. At the time, a month prior, my mom and brother had moved back to Philadelphia And so I'm going, how am I going to like being out here without them? Am I going to like being out here with them? I had just moved in with Chad at the time and we had been together for two and a half years. I wasn't expecting that to not go well, but still you just, you don't know. And I'm going, okay, I'm going to be at at this show for three more years, which would be a blessing. But then that brings me to age, geez, I think I I would have been 27 because I was 24 at the time. So I was like, I'm going to be turning 27. Am I going to, you know, I'm going to be missing out on my friends having short houses at home and I'm going to, I never got the college experience. So I never got to do a lot of those type of things. (laughs) And so, and I didn't have like a huge friend base out in LA. So I asked them, I was like, can I just do one year, just one year, just to see how I like it out here, if I'll be okay. And it was like, no, three years or nothing. And so I just took that as like my aha moment. And Frank and I have talked about it since like, he was like, it killed me because I got a lot of pressure. Like it was three years or nothing. Like I, I wasn't able to give out a one-year contract. And so that's what it came down to. And it was just one of those things where I was like, there was no hard feelings. I was so grateful to be offered that it was just, this is your time to go. Like I just, every sign in life was like, you, you are not supposed to sign on for this. And thank God I didn't, because there were so many things that I needed to be home for. My brother got diagnosed with cancer a year later. Um, my grandmom went into a nursing home that September and I helped my mom get her in there. And we were there like three days a week, like bathing her, like doing all this. Stuff. Like I had a shore house for three summers in a row with my cousin and all of her friends. And I got that time, you know, and Um, that's something that you'd never be able to get back. Like all of my, all of those same girls now have like two kids and they're married. Like that's never happening again. So I'm so glad I didn't have three years where I would, I, that would have all not been there anymore. Yeah. Um, but do I wish that I could come back to general hospital? Yes. I would go back tomorrow. Like it was just not the right time then, you know, when I moved home, I did. um, I was a waitress, first of all, for (laughs) like, I went right into being a waitress at Chickies and Pete's, which is like a bar restaurant um, at Parks Casino. And I had never done that before, but my cousin worked there and I wanted to be a waitress so badly. I wanted to try it out. And I did, I did that for a year and a half. I had so much fun And then I got my real estate license and I still have my real estate license. So that's something that like, if anyone's listening and they need a realtor, just look me up Um, (laughs) in Pennsylvania. And then I did the show Marvelous Wonderettes for our producer, Tom Dangora, who is the biggest One Life to Live fan ever. And he reached out to me asking if I wanted to do that. And I did. I had a blast. And then he has another show called Musical and musical the musical is what we just did in las vegas and we did it for the month and it was so much fun but it is a comedy and it is impressions and it's basically snl but a musical and i was so scared because i'm going i've done impressions for my family and friends but no one has ever seen me do that on a stage like uh i was very nervous but tom has always believed in me and my boyfriend who's also in the show was like, Kristen, you need to do this. You're, you'd be great. So it worked out great. It was very fun.
0: And from your Instagram, it looks like a lot of people from One Life to Live came out to support you. Tell us who from Landview made a trip out to the show.
1: Catherine Hickling came to see the show. And, um, and Josh Kelly came to our opening night who played Cutter on One Life to Live. And, um, who else? Oh, Nick Roebuck. Nick Roebuck is one of my best friends, and I rarely get to see him because he lives in Laguna. Um, But he flew out to come see the show, and we got to... Oh, we had so much fun, as always. He's always cracking me up. And Andrea Evans came to see the show, too. And she is really good friends with Tom Dangora. And it was funny because she said that when she was in the audience, someone said, Oh, what brings you to the show tonight? And she said, Oh, I'm here to see my niece. Oh, I thought it was so
0: cute. I love that.
1: So, yes, she brought her daughter, who's so awesome. And it was great. Uh, Catherine Hicklin had me on her Facebook Live show while I was out there in Las Vegas, invited our whole cast to her house on Easter Day, had an Easter dinner for us. It was gorgeous. And her husband, Todd Fisher, who is Carrie, Carrie Fisher's brother and Debbie Reynolds' son, has so many memorabilia of the two of them. It is unreal. You can't believe their house. Um, and they were just so welcoming and gracious, and gave us a tour of their house. They have a whole like petting zoo in their yard with chickens. <laughs> it was and and a recording studio, and it was just the best day ever. And I love Catherine Hicklin. She's just. Uh, I mean, two days before Easter, she came to see the show and then invited our whole cast over for dinner. That's just how she is. She's awesome. Totally, awesome. Yep. So sweet.
0: Well, Kristen, this is a big question, but before we let you go, like how do you think that the person you are today was shaped By having spent so much of your formative years on the One Life set, and what does it mean to you that the daytime audience has such a a genuinely dear place in their hearts for you and for Star and all of the storylines you were part of over the years?
1: I think it shaped me to be super well-rounded, I guess because I worked with so many different people throughout the years, and I worked with adults from such a young age that I understood adults very well, that I, I never looked at, at adults as being different than me. I think a lot of kids grow up feeling like adults don't understand what I'm going through. And the adults that I worked with always understood what I was going through. So I kept saying to my friends when they didn't relate to their parents, I'm going, no, you don't understand. Your parents are more like us than you think. You know, they're just us, but bigger. (laughs) So so I, I think that really helped shape me. And they taught me so many things over the years, the adults that I worked with and just acting wise. Um, but then also just with communicating, I learned that communicating in all relationships in life are, is super, super important. And I learned that through seeing people not communicate with each other and then seeing people communicate with each other and how much better that is when people do communicate. So, um, and also just, gosh, the fans are just so incredibly sweet and kind and loving. And I think that the love that they showed me over the years, I always want to give back to other people and to them, too. And I'm a, I'm a very grateful person. I guess also that that is because of my mom. My mom always said, Kristen, stop, see where you are, and just look at how amazing this is. Look at this. She always... Had my brother and I go, you know, look at how lucky you are to be doing this. Look at how lucky you are to be doing that, and and in a very humble way. So I I guess, and also, but she wanted to make sure that we stayed our age and had a good balance of staying our age and also being more mature than our age too, but being able to kind of play both. <laughs> um, but yeah, I know it's kind of a complicated answer, but I guess. It, I definitely wouldn't be who I am without all of the experiences that I've had. And also all of the lessons that star learned, I learned. Right. So, you, you know, it's kind of like you get to live two different lives. I have a whole other girl that I lived her life too, that I learned all the lessons she learned. So the writers kind of taught me things over the years too. So it's, uh, it's crazy.
0: And just to be clear, if a West Coast soap came calling, maybe not GH, what if the other ones did? So
1: I auditioned for Summer for Young and the Restless. I sent in a tape. They were like, thank you so much for sending it in. They said, we want someone that looks pretty, as close to Hunter as possible. And we do look very different. So, um... I was like, okay, but I got really excited about it. I totally sent them a video talking about how I had a huge crush on Victor Newman. And <laughs> growing up, I just really want to have a scene with Victor Newman one day. That's one of one of my bucket list things. <laughs> Even if it's like a, a what if sort of scene, I don't care. I just want to work with Victor Newman one day. Um, but yeah, no Young and the Restless would be awesome. But then as much as I want to be on Young and the Restless so bad, I still have such a connection to ABC and and to Frank, who, you know, at General Hospital. And um, and when I thought for a split second that Star was coming back to General Hospital, I got instant tears in my eyes when I heard the rumor that they were going to bring back Todd. My My heart dropped. I didn't expect that I would have that reaction because I've loved my life moving back home. And I've always said, oh, if it happened, maybe, you know. But I was was almost in tears. And my friend who was with me at the time was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe the reaction you're having right now. And I said, I can't either. I said, I don't know how to explain it. But the thought of being star again is like, being able to tap into this other part of me that I haven't been able to be in such a long time. I miss being Blair and Todd's daughter. I miss her life. It's so, it's so, I know that's so strange, but I can get choked up even just thinking about it. Like that Dorian is my aunt and Vicky's my aunt and like that these family members that I'd be able to tap back into that would just mean a lot to me. So, well, let's never say never, 100%. never say never. But I mean, now like Roger's on his like fourth character at General Hospital. So I don't know. But um, I think that's probably the thing. Once I found out that, you know, he wasn't going to be Todd, I was like, oh, I think that's it for uh for star, but maybe I would come on as another character. So I definitely feel that LA is pulling me out there right now. Um, and my boyfriend and I are talking about moving out there soon or being bi-coastal. So I'll be out there. <laughs> Good.
0: So for anyone listening, exactly. He's available. <laughs> exactly. uh, Kristen, it has been such a joy to spend this time with you.
1: You too. You too. Thank you. I love talking to you guys. And this meant so much uh, for you to reach out and ask me to do this with you. It's always so much fun to go down memory lane and talk about everything. Great.
0: Well, we thank you for everything you shared. It was so great catching up with you. We hope to talk to you soon and have a different reason to Yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: Who knows? Then you'll be my good luck charm. We're putting it out there. We're putting
0: it out there. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Kristen Alderson for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast.